Welcome to the Indirect Vision Podcast, where it is our mission to help pre-dental and dental students make better decisions through the application of new and unique perspectives. Today, it is our pleasure to interview Andrew LaPrey. Andrew is a fourth-year dental student at Midwestern University and is originally from Idaho Falls, Idaho. He is a former ASDA service committee member, the former president of Midwestern's Academy of LDS Dentists, and was recently selected for an orthodontic residency at Roseman University. He is interested in orthodontics, orthodontics, and more orthodontics, and enjoys playing the guitar, watching and following BYU athletics, and reading. Thank you for joining us today, Andrew. Thank you for having me. And also, we have our co-host here, Kyle. Kyle, how's it going? It's going good, Andrew. Thanks for the intro. Yeah, so, Andrew... This might be a little bit confusing since there's two Andrews, but um, Andrew LaPrey. <laughs> yes. Um, we like to start off just by asking, why did you choose dentistry? That's a good question. So that is answered in multiple personal statements that I've given in applying to dental school as well as applying into orthodontics. It all started when I was about 10 and I decided to stop smiling because I was embarrassed by my teeth. I had braces at that age, stage one orthodontic care that helped align my central and lateral incisors to a point that I was no longer embarrassed and I was willing to smile. So that change initiated with my orthodontist and I thought that was really cool and something that I wanted to be able to pursue as well to give that confidence back to other people. So that's where it initiated. And then it kind of continued on as I saw my dad go through medical school. I became more interested in human physiology and biology. And so that those two things in combination geared me towards the health sciences. But I was always drawn back to orthodontics, especially once again, when I went through phase two as a 15-year-old. I just really thought that straightening and aligning people's teeth and giving them that confidence was something I wanted to pursue as a lifetime career. Yeah, sounds like you chose the right field. And also just briefly tell us why you chose Midwestern to receive your dental degree from. Yeah, so I was actually accepted to two dental schools. I was ex- I applied to, I want to say seven, interviewed at three and got accepted to two. And I could either choose between in-state tuition at Indiana University, or I could choose Midwestern University, Glendale, with private tuition. And as I interviewed at the two schools, I just had a better overall feeling about the atmosphere, about student life, and about the environment of Arizona. I had talked about the choice with my uncle, who was a dentist in Salt Lake, and ultimately decided that I would have a better experience and opportunities, and it just came down to a gut feeling to choose Midwestern over Indiana. It was an expensive decision, but I've seen a lot of justifications for that choice as my life has continued over the last four years to reassure me that it was the correct decision. Totally. So, Andrew, what would you say you appreciate the most about Midwestern and what they have done to educate you and prepare you in your career so far? What do I appreciate the most about Midwestern and how they've prepared me for my education, or I guess educated me, is 
That's a good question. So part of that, I would say, is their willingness to treat you as a colleague from the beginning of your dental education, as well as Midwestern as a whole. I just really like that they have a bunch of different healthcare professionals. It felt like joining a community of healthcare professionals that we were all united to seek the improvement of the human condition through medicine. That was something I really enjoyed being able to coordinate with other health professionals as we continued through this process. Additionally, I think that it was really nice to have in the first couple of years, a body systems orientation to education we all as a class, I think this is true of most, if not all classes at Midwestern, a willingness to work together. I don't feel like anyone ever had it out for anyone else. No, it wasn't my grade or your grade. We all were willing to share and coordinate and, and help each other progress. And I really enjoyed and respected that mentality together. And then the last thing I'd say is just the clinical experiences and the commitment of all of our faculty, whether they be in the preclinical side or the clinical side, I think we've been given a lot of opportunities that other dental students don't have. And I, I witnessed that firsthand in my interview process. I might get into it a little bit later, how, how much of an opportunity we have compared to potentially other dental students. That is awesome. Um, what do you wish looking back now on your almost four years of Midwestern, what do you wish that you would have taken more advantage of um, from their resources and from their um, people? You know, I don't know if I have any regrets about how it's, how it's been done. I maybe would have communicated with, faculty earlier on about my specific career goals, trying to find those faculty members who who could help me work towards that goal at an earlier stage. I tried to get into research my first year and I, I just felt overwhelming due to or overwhelmed due to some of the the personal things that had been going on in my life recently to to try to take on research in addition to the new academic career. So that was one thing I had tried, but didn't really succeed at. Otherwise, I think it would have been nice to maybe communicate with the Dean from an earlier stage that orthodontics was my career goal to maybe get some intervention earlier in my dental education to maybe improve my grades. But uh, overall it worked out, but, it probably would have been advantageous to have some some mentors and cheerleaders in my court from the beginning of my career instead of once I hit about halfway, three quarters of the way through second year. Yeah, totally. Um, who do you wish you had reached out to your first and second years to, other than the dean, like you said, but to get help on your path to orthodontics? So I think one, obviously, like we, like I already said, and you just mentioned again, the Dean, I think would have been a good initial contact to let him know that's what my career goals were. 
to see where I was sitting in class rank so that he could maybe point me to different resources from a grade standpoint and maybe some ideas of what I could do to improve my grades and then also point me towards orthodontic faculty. Uh, when I started at Midwestern, we had recently undergone a change in orthodontic faculty. I think, I don't know, I, I obviously wasn't committed to engaging with the orthodontic faculty at that point. However, I think that was a contributing factor to what happened is we went through a transition and who was in charge of orthodontics right as I entered into the program. So no one was really sure what was happening with our orthodontic faculty, the orthodontic rotation that we do is fourth years. And our orthodontic faculty, Dr. Berrigan and Dr. Steek, have been absolutely fantastic as I've worked with them over the last two, almost two and a half years. But it's been a learning process for all of us together as they've been full-time and part-time faculty to learn how best to augment our education and be a resource for us as we pursue a specialty they've learned different things that they can do to help over those last four years as well sweet thanks for sharing that and do you wish you had gotten into the clinic a little more as a first and second year to kind of get a taste of what you'll be doing as an orthodontist no, I don't think so. I think it depends on your personality and your long-term career goals. Because I knew from the beginning I wanted to do orthodontics and general dentistry was something that seemed kind of daunting to me. I never personally felt lacking in clinical experiences. I know that I'm unique in that situation. I know a lot of my classmates wish they would have had more patient encounters or more clinical experiences earlier in their education. I think the only thing I could have done differently was take advantage of some of my downtime in first and second year to go to the clinic and talk with the orthodontic faculty and just kind of observe. But being a first and second year student, you can't really be hands-on in the clinic. You just are, are an observer only. However, I think that helps to build rapport and a relationship with your preceptors who can write your letters of recommendation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that's great advice, Andrew, about going and forming relationships if you know that's something you want to do in the future. Uh, we're definitely going to come back to this orthodontics topic here. But before we do that, we want to switch gears and talk a little bit more about um, ASDA, you were the service chair. Were you the chair of the committee or were you just on the committee? I, I was on the committee, not the chair. Okay, on the committee for community service. Um, so as one of the members of the community service committee, what types of projects did you guys organize and um, how did you fit that in with school and preparing to apply for the residency and just balancing everything? Yeah, so I was on the committee during my second year. So we had just made a transition. So as the typically across the country goes on a calendar year as opposed to an academic year, I believe. And we had been on an academic year and we were just switching into a calendar year. So it was an interesting 
time transition that I was I joined the committee at the end of my second year of dental school. Or I guess sorry, I take that back. I joined the committee at the end of my first year of dental school. And we worked through until the next school year. So it was I don't think it was quite twelve months. Don't have those timelines down well. But I felt like I had a lot of time during those during that second year of dental school to be able to commit to working on the committee. I didn't have any challenges juggling my school load or having to juggle clinic. So that was advantageous for me. The events that we organized were primarily give kids a smile as well as a team smile event, which Arizona does with the Arizona Cardinals. So it's a big health day that is done for the community, uh, usually an underserved population, where members from the Arizona Cardinals football team come and speak to these children as well as their families just to get them a little excited but also to provide a one-stop location where they can get health screenings, where they can get dental screenings, where they can get oral hygiene instruction, et cetera. So we had, we coordinated with the team smile group to facilitate our student and teach faculty volunteers. And then we did a couple other small events throughout the year, but those were the two big ones that we organized. And I think it was definitely advantageous in an application standpoint just to be involved in leadership in general. Yeah, yeah, totally. I totally agree with you. Um, I, I've i never participated in Give Kids a Smile or the Cardinals thing that you were just referring to. How would I go about getting involved in those? So typically for Midwestern, we send out an email invitation for Give Kids a Smile, usually about one to two months ahead of the event. And Give Kids a Smile just happens once a year, and it's typically in the fall, but it changes depending on the year. So once you receive that email as a first or second year student, you are typically either a runner, meaning that you are taking patients from the lobby back to their dental students and facilitating the movement of patients. Or you can set up a booth outside as something to entertain children or their families as they're waiting for dental care. As a second year, you can occasionally start to assist a third or fourth year student. And as a third or fourth year student, you are engaging hands-on in patient care. So that's for Give Kids a Smile, but typically with anything with Midwestern, it's just being diligent and checking your emails to find out when these different events come. And there are a lot. There's always opportunities for community service. I think community service is an important aspect for applying to any specialty or postgraduate residency. It can also look really nice on job applications where Typically, a dentist that you'd be working for has been a member of their community for a long time. They're familiar with the community, with the demographics, their school systems. And they like to see that you've been engaged from an early time in your career. 
and giving back to the community. It's a it's an important part of dentistry to be able to provide those services uh, at times pro bono pro bono for those who can't do that so for themselves. Mm-hmm. And give kids a smile is not a small service project, is it? It's quite large, right? It it is typically we provide services for anywhere between two and 300 patients in the greater Phoenix area, typically on gearing towards the west side of the valley, but it is a very well publicized and large event that coordinates with many, many people. And like I said, one of the things is having booths outside to engage the children and families as they're waiting for care. And that can be anywhere from 10 to 15 or 20 different clubs as they're trying to set up booths, organizing all of the supplies for the day that Midwestern is going to donate, faculty that are going to attend, as well as refreshments for those volunteers. So it's definitely a a big event that requires some time and coordinated effort to pull off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been a part of Give Give Kids a Smile. Um, I did the outside set up a booth, entertain the kids thing, and it was really fun. So for all of you guys listening, um, Give Kids a Smile is definitely a good service project opportunity to get involved in. Um, and I'll sp- just say one one thing real quick. Give Kids a Smile is not specific to Midwestern. Give Kids a Smile is a national event. It's not held on the same date, but it's typically something that most dental schools throughout the country will try to pursue to provide those patients uh, access to care. Mm-hmm. Well, we are going to switch back now and talk more about orthodontics um, because it's a very interesting topic, and I'm sure you have plenty to say about it. You already kind of told us, you know, a little bit about your story, why you chose it, when you decided you wanted to do it, but maybe go into a little bit more detail. Like what is it about orthodontics specifically that really interests you as opposed to all of the other specialties that you can choose from? Yeah. So as I stated before, it really started with my personal self-confidence that interested me in orthodontics there's orthodontics is a very diverse specialty it doesn't seem like it but you're doing a lot more than just straightening teeth for me it was less about straightening my teeth as it was about straightening my teeth in order to reinstill confidence in me as a child so that's that's one aspect for me is the ability to change people's lives through an intervention to straighten teeth. By straightening teeth with interventive orthodontics, you improve, hopefully, function, which increases the long-term health and success of the periodontium, as well as increasing cleansability of the periodontal tissues. And cleansability and function are two of the biggest contributing factors to cariogenicity and premature tooth loss from periodontal disease. So if we can straighten teeth and get them in a place where patients can maintain their teeth and periodontal tissues better, it serves as the groundwork to 
facilitate that throughout their life. So that's another aspect that's intriguing to me. Additionally, I've always been someone who's intrigued by puzzles and mental problems. And orthodontics is exactly that. Every case is slightly different. You need to think about how you're going to move teeth, the rate at which you can move teeth, taking into account the patient as well as maybe their family history. If this a particular family has a tendency towards a severe class 2 malocclusion, you may be able to sense that in the family and get an idea by your, you know, the second or third kid that this is going to be a pattern. How are you going to follow that throughout the child's developmental years? And, you know, that's different for every individual. And I really enjoy that, that puzzle aspect and long-term planning out how to solve this problem and execute. And, you know, the physics of tooth movement is also a really fascinating idea that you can apply a constant force to a tooth in a specific direction and that vector is going to induce osteoclastic and osteoblastic activity to to move the the tooth it's it's really a fascinating topic to me i don't know that that's true of everyone but to me that just all of that seems so fascinating yeah, definitely. It sounds it sounds very fascinating. And when I was a pre-dental student shadowing my local orthodontist, uh, I remember him saying that it's a very cerebral job and that at the end of every day, he's mentally drained and exhausted, but he loves going back to his job every day. So um, that's exciting to hear that you're on that journey. Um, also, can you tell us a little bit about just the whole application process because you're ex- you were accepted to um, a residency already, so you already know what that whole process is like. Did you have to take any tests? Um, did you have to interview? Just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so this is for orthodontics specifically. The GRE is not required by all schools, but the GRE is currently required or recommended by most schools. There are two possibilities for exams, either the ADAT, the Advanced Dental Admissions Test, or the GRE. Although many schools will accept ADAT scores, it's very few that require the ADAT. ADAT's only been around for a few years, so most schools aren't comfortable with that process as a measuring tool. So I studied for and took the GRE, which as a math and reading based exam, I guess verbal reasoning and quantitative reasoning. So it's important to study for and take that test sometime during your dental career or dental education process. Most schools require your scores to be within five. A couple require them to be within three years. Most of them it's five years though. So anytime you have to be able to study for that during your first three years will be advantageous and take that. Then the other things are making sure that you have a history of any of your extracurricular activities, whether that be research projects you've been involved with. You need to know the title of the research project, the basis of the research project, who the lead was as a student, as a faculty, and how many, how much time you've committed to that. And the same thing can be said of 
any dental work that you've done, whether that be work as an assistant or a dental hygienist, if you were a dental hygienist before, a dental lab technician, and then it continues on through extracurricular activities, like I said, whether that be through service opportunities, leadership opportunities. So it's really advantageous if you start a document from the beginning of your dental career, and maybe even before, if you're a pre-dental student, start documenting those basics right after your project happens. As soon as your project is over, go to your document and write down the date of the event, the name of the event, who was in charge of the event, and maybe just a one paragraph or a two sentence summary of what your specific job or role was at that event. That can really save you a lot of time as you're um, as you're filling out your application. Those are things that are on the pass application. So it's an application service, just like the ad SAS portal for dental admissions. So if you've already written that down the day of your event, you don't have to think back through three years of history thinking, okay, yeah, I did give kids a smile sometime during my first year. Ah, oh, gosh, I don't remember what date it was sometime in October. And then you have to go searching through your emails or Facebook posts, trying to remember the date of your service project. So that's one thing that one piece of advice that I would give to anyone who's considering applying for any dental specialty or even any job, if you want to be able to list those types of activities, write them down right as they happen, all of that information. Mm-hmm. Another point I would say is your personal statement. So the application for graduate programs typically opens either the last week of May or the first week of June. And the earlier you apply is always the better. So make sure that you've taken your admissions test, which for ortho is typically the GRE, and that you've already started or ideally completed a few drafts of your personal statement heading into the opening of the application. I don't know if anyone has any specific, or if either of you have any specific questions about the application other than that long explanation I already gave. No, that was really good. Um, so the application for the specialties, ortho, all the other ones, opens May or June of after you finish your third year? Yeah, so you'll start filling out the application 12 months prior to your date of admission. So okay. whether that be if you've already completed your dental degree and you're actually going to work for a year. Yeah, you'll start your application 12 months prior to your expected admission date. Okay. And another question, just out of curiosity, how did you feel the GRE? I assume you took the GRE? Yes. Okay. How did you feel the GRE compared to the DAT? Like as far as how long you had to study for it, degree of difficulty and and everything like that? I think that's very dependent on everyone's particular aptitudes in education. As I said, the GRE only focuses on quantitative reasoning, or in other words, math, and verbal reasoning. So depending on how well you did on QR on the DAT, you may or may not need to brush up on your math skills. It's always nice 
for me, verbal reasoning was the thing I was a little less concerned with. I am a native English speaker, but I fluently speak Spanish. And I read a lot for leisure. And I'm reading typically fiction, which has a very wide vocabulary and use of terms. So between those two, between Spanish and my propensity for reading, I felt well prepared in the verbal reasoning section. A lot of it is just being able to deduce through context as well as roots of words, the meaning of words. So if you have a Latin-based structure to go off of, that helps. So I think I studied for about a month consistently, probably two to four hours a day, depending, for that month leading up to the GRE. And that was adequate for me. But I know other people who spent two or three months consistently studying and other people who studied for two weeks. And we all ended up in a, about the same place. So it just depends on where your skill sets lie. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, okay, last question here. Two more questions, actually. Um, first, looking to the future, um, we know we got lots of clear aligner companies. Um, I feel like I see an advertisement on Facebook almost weekly for a new clear aligner system. Um, just in your opinion, how do you feel about how that might impact your future career as an orthodontist and i don't know what should what should we think about this yeah that's an excellent question and something that is important to discuss as dental professionals as i've talked with residency programs as well as other professionals in orthodontics a general consensus is that it's not a terrible thing Typically, the people who, well, first of all, I'll say that all of the advertisements that we see for these clear liners increases the awareness of orthodontics in general. So that's that's a good thing overall. I don't think in the United States of America we have a, much of an issue in awareness of orthodontics, but we increase the awareness of potential opportunities for clear liner therapy which can be advantageous and the different companies that exist. That being said, the demographic who typically seeks discounted dental care will receive discounted dental care and may not be willing to, to invest in traditional orthodontics anyway. If they saw the value in traditional orthodontics, they'd be there. So as nice as it would be to have all orthodontic patients, I don't know that we'd capture those patients who seek out Invisalign or DIY ortho by themselves. I don't know if we'd capture them as specialists anyway because they're only willing to spend so much money and, and orthodontics is through an orthodontist or through a dental provider is probably beyond the threshold that they want to invest. So, like I said, would it be nice if everyone just came to see a, a dentist or a specialist for their orthodontic care? Absolutely, because we are the ones who have all of the appropriate tools to be able to treat them as a 
whole system, be able to evaluate their oral health, their bone health, and their their particular case and its propensity to be treated with aligner therapy versus traditional orthodontics. I think that's that's something that a lot of people in the public don't understand is what types of um, malocclusions can and cannot be treated with invisible or a clear line of therapy. Mm -hmm. So basically what you're saying is that it helps everyone because it just increases the overall, um, what did you say? The overall awareness of orthodontics, awareness of orthodontics and maybe their need for it, but it's not terribly hurting anyone because you're not gonna, you know, it's it may, maybe a better way to say it is it's targeted towards a different, a different target market. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. It's, and there are some people that see that, that would go to an orthodontist and they think, Oh, I might go this less expensive route, but I don't think you're ever going to lose out on people that, that already have an upper limit of what they're willing to invest in themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get what you pay for. Well, thanks for um, sharing that. That's definitely a super interesting topic that I'm sure we could keep going on for hours about. But yes. um, we're gonna we're gonna finish up. And what we do um, on this on this show is that we ask everyone the same question um, at the end. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, that question is: if you could go back and talk to yourself at the beginning, you know, as a first year dental student or even before that, just you know, at the beginning of your journey of dentistry in general, uh, what's the one piece of advice that you would give yourself um, knowing what you know now? Yeah, so I think I already said it. One of, one of the biggest pieces of advice I would say is seek out mentors early and let people know what your long-term career goals are and document from the beginning I think most of us, as we start this this dental profession, we know that we want to help people. We know we want to spend the time necessary to learn all the skills that are required for this profession. But it's creating those relationships from an early on standpoint, as well as following up with all of the things that you've done throughout your career that have prepared you for a specialty for a job opportunity for living in a specific community that that we forget about as we progress so those are the two pieces of, of advice i'd give for myself seek mentors early and document all of the things that you are doing to involve yourself in in dentistry and extracurricular activities Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for being on the show today. And um, thanks to all of our listeners. Um, join us again next week for another episode of the Indirect Vision Podcast. Thanks for having me.